Welcome to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy practitioner. I'm your host, Holly Wayment. Today on Pediatrics Now, we're bringing you food for your soul, some strategies to help fight and prevent burnout, depression, and anxiety. You're taking care of everyone else. This episode is about taking care of you. Joining me here in the podcast studio, author, integrative medicine, and infectious disease doctor, Jan Patterson. She works at UT Health San Antonio and University Hospital, and she has a new book out called Breath for the Soul. Dr. Patterson, thanks so much for being here in the podcast studio. Thank you, Holly. It's great to be here. Dr. Patterson graduated from UT Medical School at Houston, trained in internal medicine at Vanderbilt and infectious disease at Yale University School of Medicine. She completed a master's in healthcare management at the Harvard School of Public Health. May I call you Jan? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's fine. So Jan, from your website, you also say I'm a podcaster and public speaker. You may also know me as a wife, mother, believer, essential oiler, bereaved parent, sprint triathlete, gardener, or cancer survivor. Yes, I'm all those things. <laughs> I've, I've lived a long life already, so I've done a lot of different things. And you're also married to Dr. I'm married Tom. to Dr. Tom Patterson, uh, who is also here at the school, Chief of Infectious Diseases. And you all are still leading the response to yes. COVID? Yes, so we're in a different phase of COVID now, um, and it's not you know as acute as it was, but we still have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of research going on, especially now with long COVID, uh, and we still see patients in the hospital um, and uh, outpatients, long COVID outpatients in the clinic. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to mention? Well, one of the quotes in the introduction is uh, from Dr. Rachel Rimmon, and she says, it's not that you have a soul, but you are a soul. And one of the reasons that my co-author, Phyllis Nichols, and I named the book Breath for the Soul is that we intended it to target the whole person, and that's what we mean by the soul, body, mind, and spirit. Um, And that's what integrative medicine is, really. It's an approach to the patient that involves both body, mind, and spirit. You know, we often uh, approach patients by just thinking of giving a pill or doing a procedure. But um, as we're learning in integrative medicine, really the approach to the whole patient is very helpful. So we integrate complementary therapies with conventional therapies to help the patient as a whole person. So what we're talking about today could help our listeners with their patients as well. Yes, and in fact, you know, one of the reasons that I I thought it was important to get this message out is, you know, as a physician, uh, we see a lot of patients, uh, in my 30 years of practicing and teaching medicine, you know, we see a lot of patients that we can help with medicine, but uh, for things like stress, anxiety, depression, and grief, you know, just conventional medicine often comes up short, and we need more than that. And so I learned from my experience as a physician and also from some personal losses that I experienced, including the loss of my son, um, you know, that really there's other things that are needed than just conventional medicine, some things that really uplift our soul. It's been 10 years now since I lost my son, but especially in the early years, you know, there were waves of grief and I would pull out essential oil and just, you know, smell that and it would go right to my limbic system with our olfactory nerve, which goes right to our limbic system, and it was very helpful, you know, for calming my emotions. So um, so these uh, essential oils and aromas can be beneficial during the day as well. Can you tell me about Will? 
Will was, uh, you know, funny, intelligent, uh, handsome. Uh, he loved his friends, um, and um, you know, he he was a great guy. We um, we still miss him, and uh, you know, we we uh, still think of him. And there's also a quote in the book that says, you know, those that we have lost in love, they are no longer where they were. They are now where we are. And so we really feel like uh, Will is still with us. I think that's really beautiful. Um, you say everyone can master grief, but he that has it, William yes. Shakespeare, yes. quote William Shakespeare there. Mm-hmm, that's a Shakespeare quote. Yeah, I think, um, you know, people feeling very intense grief, um, you know, certainly from the loss of a child or a sudden or violent death, um, they don't, they, they um, are, are experiencing very intense grief and other people who have not experienced that don't really realize what they're going through. And so, um, you know, I talk a lot about that in the book and, and how to cope with that, how to deal with that. And, you know, things that helped me were my faith, my family and my friends and ultimately, you know, it was uh, my spirit and spirit connections with others, um, you know, uh, with, with, for me, with God and, um, and connections with my friends. Um, so, and that kind of um, grief, you know, as, as I talk about in the book, too, it's not ever really over. It's a journey. So it changes from time to time, um, but it's never really totally over. It's, it's always there with you. And there's a, a quote by Anna Quindlin in the book. Here is one of the worst things about having someone you love die. It happens again every single morning. Yes, that's right. Um, so especially, um, you know, in the early days after uh, we lost Will, I found that running was, um, was one way that could help me, you know, cope with it because it did, uh, you know, the first thing I thought about in the morning, the last thing at night. And so aerobic exercise was one way that I could uh, cope with those thoughts and ruminations. I, um, I also love this quote by Matthew Anderson that you have in the book. You are a body, but you're a soul too. And your human flourishing is contingent upon being a soul-bodied thing. Yes, that's right. And again, that's uh, you know approaching the whole person, which we're learning is very beneficial. And we get a very positive response from patients uh, when we do our integrative medicine consults. And I see, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with community pediatricians and providers, and depression is what we talk about a lot, this epidemic of their patients depressed and that anxiety, and there's such few resources. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so, uh, you know, some of those patients do need medication, and we talk about that in the book, that we're uh, not, certainly not against medication for those conditions, and you should work with your doctor on that. But, um, you know, the four pillars that we talk about for things like stress, anxiety, depression, and grief are uh, breath. There's a lot that can be done with intentional breathing and breath work. Movement, because movement really for all these things has been shown to be helpful. Nutrition, um, you know, uh, you really are what you eat, and we all need to eat more plants and antioxidants. And then finally, the spirit, using our spirituality and our spirit connections. One of the uh, quotes that stands out to me in the book is the one that says, this isn't the exact quote, but it says, most things work better after they're unplugged, including you. That's right. That's an Anne Lamott quote. And I think we've all experienced that. We know, you know, when we reboot our computer, it works better. And then also when we just, uh, you know, uh, take a break ourselves. Sometimes, you know, these conditions like stress, anxiety, they really separate us from ourselves 
we kind of forget where we are, who we are. And so if we just take some time to get back to that, I found that for myself, you know, doing some meditation, uh, either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, for me, it works best at the beginning of the day. That's a time where I can just uh, remember who I am, where I am, uh, you know, and be mindful uh, and be in the present. Uh, so, so I think that uh, some of these things that we're talking about in the book will help people do that. And that can be so hard to find the time. I mean, who has the time? Certainly, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I can't think of anyone who's more busy than you. So how do you do it? Well, you know, for me, it's like um, the busier I get, the more I need to have that time uh, because it helps me think more clearly, act more rationally, treat people more kindly. Uh, if I just take a little time at the beginning of the day to check in with myself, um, you know, and to meditate, and often it's prayer as well. So, you know, reading some inspirational things, all of those things help center me, and really I can, I can do more, I can be more efficient during the day if I have that little time to myself in the morning. Do you have a recommended amount of time that we should try to meditate? Well, I think that's, that varies on, on uh, people's needs and wants. Um, I recommend starting out with just five minutes, just five minutes of checking in with yourself, um, and then, you know, if, uh, if, if you want to, then go on to 10, 15 minutes. Some people like longer. Um, I found that guided meditations are very helpful. There's a number of apps now um, that you can use for guided meditations. I like uh, an app called Insight Timer. There's also one for Headspace, um, called Headspace, uh, and some others that are out there. And so I find the guided meditations are very helpful because, um, you know, sometimes it's very hard to just clear my mind of all the thoughts, and guided meditations will, will help me, you know, uh, quiet my mind and, and think more clearly. And as we know, doctors, providers are at high risk of burnout, depression, anxiety, suicide. Mm-hmm. That's right. I also was reading about, you, ta- you write about the importance of getting into nature, even for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And you write about um, something called a forest bath. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Well, the Japanese came up with this concept in the 1980s. They call it Shinrin-yoku, or forest bathing is what we call it. And it's just the concept of getting out in nature or green space. It doesn't have to be a true forest. It can be a green space in the city. And actually, you can just envision a green space and have some of the same benefits. But it's about taking a uh, very mindful walk through nature and using all your senses, you know, uh, smelling the grass, touching the trees, hearing the birds, you know, really just using all of your senses in nature. And that, that is another thing that, um, you know, helps, uh, helps center us, is bringing us back to that. And it's actually been, there have been studies that have shown that that reduces stress and improves mood. So, um, and so I try to, uh, one of the things I like to do in my spare time is exercise and, you know, either jog or, or walk outside and I like to do it outside because I get the benefits of nature at the same time. And I I love the quote in your book, the clearest path to the universe is a walk through the forest. Yes, that's a John Muir quote. Um, And so, yes, uh, I think that, you know, being in, in nature and being outdoors can do a lot to clear our minds. And you write about, I found this fascinating because a lot of us, you know, there's days, a lot of days maybe, that you can't spend a lot of time in nature or you're Mm -hmm. seeing 
30 more patients and you're indoors, but you talk about essential oils, mm-hmm. pine oil. Yes. So, um, so if you can't, uh, if you need that little break, um, and you can't get outdoors, you can use, uh, you know, an oil that comes, essential oil that comes from a tree like pine or cedar wood, uh, balsam fir, blue spruce, and those kind of things can also be very reminiscent of nature. And I know, I mean, before this podcast, I had about 15 minutes and I just walked through the path, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here on campus and mm-hmm. I did feel a lot better. And, mm-hmm. and when you talk about forest bathing, the key is you're not really thinking about the exercise or the right. exertion. It's the listening to the sounds. Right. It's just being mindful, being mindful in nature. And, and so the purpose of forest bathing, it is movement, um, but it's also a meditation and being mindful of nature. So the focus of forest bathing is not, you know, aerobic or even moderate exercise. It's just to take a thoughtful and mindful walk in nature. And then if you, if you have that pine oil and you're smelling it and you look at a tree on your computer, well, that will help us? <laughs> that can help you too. Yes, there's some data that just looking at pictures of, uh, you know, trees and green things and, and also having that aroma can be helpful as well. Well, let's take a walk through the self-care strategies that you talk about in your book, Intentional Breathing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our breathing is involuntary and we don't really think about doing it, but uh, we can use intentional breathing to calm ourselves. Um, you know, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, our breathing is shallow, irregular, rapid, and we're usually just breathing through our chest, not our abdomen. Um, but then we can intentionally breathe more deeply, slowly, regular, um, and using our abdomen. And that tells our body that, okay, um, you know, you can relax now. You know, our ancestors used the fight or flight stress response when they were running from tigers and running from predators, you know. <laughs> and our stresses these days are not predators, but they're things like, you know, all our responsibilities at work, um, you know, r- uh, mixed with responsibilities at home and deadlines and all these pressures uh, that come at us at once. And so we feel that same stress. And also, that leads to chronic stress because as opposed to the old days when once the tiger was gone, you could relax, now these stresses are, you know, can be almost constant. So, um, you know, it's, it's chronic stress that really causes, uh, causes us harm, you know, raises our cortisol level, um, and over the long term uh, can really be harmful for, for us. So, um, so using this intentional breathing, uh, taking slow, deep breaths can help us in the moment and then also, if we, uh, you know, use it over time and relax more, it can help us in the long run with our health. And you write about in that intentional breathing where you can tell if the breaths aren't shallow, if your abdomen mm-hmm. is distant. Can you tell yes. us about that? Yes. Well, so if you put your hand on your abdomen and, you know, you can tell if you're breathing with your chest or your abdomen or both. Um, so if you're breathing with your abdomen, you know, you'll, you'll feel uh, your abdomen expand, and you, you know, your, your hand can feel that. So it's just a way of checking, you know, checking in with how you're breathing. And then we also uh, talk about some different breathwork exercises in the book, uh, especially the 478 breath, which if you use them over time, it really trains your body uh, and your body learns to respond to it more readily over time, trains your body to relax and be in the relaxation mode instead of the stress mode. Is that something that in between patients, a practitioner could go into the exam room and, or that doesn't have a patient in it or her office and just take a few minutes mm-hmm. and 
mm-hmm. unplug? Sure. Yeah, so the 478 breath we recommend, uh, and, and what the 478 breath is, is just inhaling for four counts. doesn't have to be four seconds, just four counts. Holding it for seven counts, and then exhale with a whoosh through your mouth for eight counts. And it's recommend that you, uh, recommended that you repeat that for four times, twice a day. Um, when you become better at it, you can do it up to eight times and, you know, do it regularly at least twice a day. Um, I will do it when I'm stuck in traffic or other times that I feel stressed, if something stressful is going on at work. Uh, and, yes, I find that that's helpful and, you know, bringing me back to, to think more rationally, to slow down and, you know, uh, do less uh, uh, reaction, just reaction, but actually think about what I'm doing. So. And this counting to seven when we're exhaling, does that... That helps us to have a longer exhale because most of us well, don't exhale. Well, so when you count okay. to when you hold it for seven counts, oh, you hold it for seven. Yes, okay. that part is telling your body, okay, you can relax now. You're not breathing fast. The tiger's not chasing you. Okay, and then also the exhale. Whenever when your exhale is longer than your inhale, that's another way to uh, tell your body to relax. So. And if our abdomen isn't expanding, that means we're taking more shallow breaths. Right. And so you can just, um, you know, use your diaphragm more. Um, consciously use your diaphragm and expand your abdomen with the breath. That's another way of taking a slow, deep uh, breath. And one reason that works is because of the vagus nerve that goes all the way through our body. The vagus nerve detects that, and that can slow our responses down. And the vagus nerve literally touches our heart. And other it goes through a lot of different organs in the body, from the brain to a lot of different organs in the body, right? Mm-hmm. And it's involved in compassion response? Or can um, you tell me more about the vagus nerve? Well, the vagus nerve um, is, is involved in the relaxation response. Um, there's actually, you know, there's hormones that are released like oxytocin that, you know, like when we hug someone or when we're hugged by someone, uh, you know, we can feel that. Uh, release of oxytonin, which gives us a, a good, you know, calming, loving feeling. So those things are beneficial too. Did the breathing help you when you were, you know, the, at the beginning of the pandemic and all the craziness that we all experienced and yes, are continuing were, to? Yeah, yes, there were definitely times during the pandemic that that I used intentional breathing. Yeah. Let's talk about movement. Mm-hmm. So you're a sprint triathlete? Well, yes, I, I don't do that now, <laughs> but I did do that. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that because I like cycling and swimming as well as running. So now I usually jog or walk or do my Peloton cycling. Those are kind of my things that I do. Um, and, uh, and, and I find that really beneficial. It's, you know, good for me mentally. It helps clear my mind. Um, But, you know, even if you don't like vigorous exercise, moderate exercise like walking or even gardening, doing some things like that are beneficial. I love swimming as well. I find it to be a a moving meditation where Mm -hmm. you kind of go into this quiet world. Yes, it can be very meditative, yeah, rhythmic and and repetitive, yes. Uh And I love the Peloton as well. And and it's easy, though, if we're not mindful about it or intentional to go the whole day without really moving that much, it seems like. Oh, yeah, it is. You know, we, we sit at our desk so much. And there's evidence now that if you just get up for like five minutes every 30 minutes, you know, it's uh, very beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, that can help our blood, blood mm-hmm. sugar levels. Right, right. What about nutrition? So nutrition, um, you know, we've many of us are... Uh, on the standard American diet, the SAD. (laughs) And uh, the thing about that is it includes a lot of inflammatory foods, a lot of processed high-sugar, high-fat foods. 
So the message that we like to get out in integrative medicine is to eat more plants, basically. Vegetables and fruits are high in antioxidants. Uh, you know, they're good for us. And there's also literature now that, and we talk about this in the book, that, you know, eating these, these, this healthier diet with more uh, plants is actually better for our mental health as well as our physical health. And tell us about the spiritual connection, how that can be extremely powerful and beneficial. So, um, you know, so what I do in the book is I write about the evidence for these different things like uh, breath, movement, nutrition, and spirit. Uh, and my co-author, Phyllis Nichols, writes a spiritual response to all these things to kind of encourage the spirit connection. And what I mean by spirituality is a uh, feeling a connection, interconnectedness with our fellow human beings and with a higher being. And so when we talk about using our spirit in the book, we, we talk about it by connecting to others, um, also using mindfulness, using meditation, um, and then, you know, uh, our, Phyllis and I, you know, our, our spirituality is informed by our faith. And so other, you know, other faiths, uh, you know, use their spirituality in that way. But you can also connect with nature, the arts, those kind of things for your spirituality. But the main part of it is connecting, connecting with others. And you wrote this with your friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part about our emotional wellness mm-hmm. as well, to stay in touch with friends. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, that's something that we, we talk about specifically in the book, that those connections with others can be very beneficial for our spirit and for our health. Is there one essential oil, getting back to the essential oils, or a couple that you would recommend to our listeners if there's this? I know you mentioned how getting a roll-on roll essential oiler. I don't know what it's called, but, it, but you could put a couple drops of lavender in there mm-hmm. on your bed pillow at night. Yes, well, um, yeah, depending on what you want to use it for. The one I use for sleep is I use a combination of lavender uh, orange and cedar wood, and you can either put that in a, on a roll-on, you know, dilute it and roll it on your pillow, or you can put it in a diffuser at your bedside. And what other advice would you have for our listeners who may be going through grief, depression? Well, um, so I, especially for depression, I would, uh, you know, and, and by depression, I talk about the definition of clinical depression in the, in the book, which is more than two weeks of you know, certain symptoms that we talk about, which is, you know, uh, intense sadness, you know, loss of interest in other things, you know, a change in your weight, a difficulty sleeping. Um, And you should really go see your doctor because there are some diseases that are associated with depression that you need to get screened for. There's also some nutrient deficiencies that are associated with depression. And we talk about that in the nutrition section in the depression chapter. Um, so, um, so getting evaluated by your physician and, you know, whether you need medication or not, but again, there's a number of things that you can do in terms of breathing, in terms of movement, uh, nutrition, and these spirit connections that you can do to integrate with whatever your doctor feels is appropriate for depression. And the same thing, uh, with grief, you know, grief and depression are really two different things, but they're related in a lot of ways. And uh, we can use a lot of the same tools. And it can be hard for practitioners to go to see their doctor or perhaps realize, you know, that, hey, I need to get help, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it is. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's always hard for physicians to, um, to get medical help. We don't like being a patient. <laughs> and so, uh, but I think, um, you know, it's, that, that's also a time when family and friends can help um, you know, if sometimes, especially if you're depressed, you're not even thinking clearly enough, 
uh, to, real, to realize that you need help, and so family and friends can be helpful in pointing that out and, and leading you to get help. How important is it to do things for yourself when you have a break or on the weekends where as doctors, providers, you're helping people all day long? Mm-hmm. It, compassion fatigue can be a real problem. Yes. Well, I think that we find it um, easier to have compassion for others, especially as physicians. You know, we're compassionate-minded. Um, it's easier to have compassion for others than ourselves. Uh, and so self-compassion is, is very important in, in nourishing our souls uh, because if we don't have self-compassion, ultimately we can't have compassion. We can't, you know, give that uh, help to others. So, uh, so yes, uh, taking some time for ourselves and having self-compassion is very important. So on the weekend, for a lot of people, volunteering at the food bank, that's a great idea. But if you've been taking care of others all week, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Go do something for yourself. <laughs> yes, I would say just, you know, do something that feeds your soul. And, you know, for everybody, that's that's uh, maybe something different. But, you know, being with family, being with friends, doing something that you like to do, those are very important things. And as we also know, burnout is a big mm-hmm. issue in medicine in particular. And do you want to talk about that a bit? You know, how these strategies, it sounds like all of the things you've mentioned could help with that. Yes. Well, you know, we saw a lot of our colleagues burn out during COVID. Um, You know, it was very difficult to see even young, healthy people struggling to breathe. All these people that were prone on ventilators, you know, walking down the hall, seeing all these people prone. Um, It was difficult. And, uh, you know, so it was understandable that um, people did burn out. Um, People were, were working long shifts and long hours. So, again, I think the the lesson is, you know, to take time for yourself, to take uh, time to reconnect with yourself, um, you know, to realize who you are um, and to to come to terms with your spirit. I think those things are very important. And you say stress can easily cause overeating? Oh, yes. (laughs) I think we've all experienced stress eating, you know, because um, when we eat something high sugar, you know, we get that immediate satisfaction. But then, you know, the insulin level goes up, the glucose level falls again, and an hour later, you know, we're craving something again. So um, so we talk about in the book how to kind of get off that stress-eating cycle. But yes, stress can definitely cause us to overeat. Was there one big lesson from, you know, where we are now in the pandemic to where we started and everything you've been doing with it? Is there one message you want to say about that, a, a lesson or a well, again, I, I think I would just say that it's, you know, important to take time for yourself. And, um, you know, it, that involves scheduling time for yourself because uh, during times where you're working a lot, um, you know, the, the whole work system can just soak you up and take up all your time if, if uh, you let it do that. So uh, scheduling time for yourself and, um, and those spirit connections is very important. And do you meditate at night sometimes as well, or is it usually in the morning? Usually just in the morning. Um, at night, sometimes I'll do the 478 breathing, or I'll read before I go to bed. You know, that's, that's another thing that kind of calms me down. So I'll do something to calm down in the evening. Are, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap up? And I'd love to hear more about what you like to do in your spare time. Well, I think we've touched on a lot of those things already, but I, I like to exercise. I like being with family and friends. Um, I like gardening and being outdoors a lot, so I find all those things very restorative. Um, and I guess, you know, what I would just say to people is that 
um, you know, to look into these things that are, that are very simple yet effective, things like intentional breathing, you know, find movement that you like to do that, that you can work into your life. It doesn't have to be long, a long time of exercise. It can be short periods of exercise. Um, try to eat more plants and then use your spirit connections. And how important is stretching? It's hard to find time to stretch, I think. Well, stretch, yes, stretching is good. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, um, I guess uh, one uh, movement meditation in particular that's good is yoga because yoga uses breath work. Um, it uses, of course, it, it is movement. Um, it's linked to nutrition because there have been studies that show that people do yoga um, lose weight and also that they eat more mindfully, tend not to do stress eating. And then, of course, spirit, you know, the meditation component of yoga. So, so the stretching, you know, doing yoga poses and things like that can be very beneficial. Jan Patterson, doctor and author of the new book, Breath for the Soul. Jan, thank you so much for being here today on Pediatrics Now. Thank you, Holly. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pediatrics Now. Click on the link for free credit if you're a practitioner. You can also email us with questions or episode ideas. That address is pediatricsnow at uthscsa.edu. We release a new episode every Friday. Pediatrics Now is produced by Nick Mary. I'm Holly Wayman. I hope you can join us for our next episode. Thanks for listening.